is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? What does it mean to be a real witness of God or to God, to be his witness? You know, there are groups of people, uh, one is called Jehovah's Witnesses. That is, they, they claim to be God's witness or Jehovah Witnesses. Now, are they? Well, you'll have to decide that one for yourself. <clears throat> I have my opinion on that one. But anyway, in Revelation 11 and verse 3, it says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before God on the earth. <clears throat> and if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if uh, any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut up heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them into blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Now these two witnesses at the end time, this is a three and a half year uh, ministry that they, they've been given. And at the end of that three and a half years, uh, they are, first of all, they are hated during their ministry and eventually they are killed at the end of their ministry. So they're hated and they're killed. Uh, what will be their message is the question I want to deal with today. These two witnesses that are going to prophesy and preach for three and a half years at the end time, what will be their message? That's the question we're asking today. Will it be the typical message of mainstream Christianity? Will they get up there and say, you know, we need to get more serious about Sunday keeping. You know, we need to stay in church maybe 45 minutes longer. Instead of just running out that door and shaking the preacher's hand and lighting up a cigarette and back to your everyday routine, we need to get more serious about Sunday keeping. Uh, we need to get, start keeping the first work day of the week more holy. Well, the question you might want to ask is, why would you keep the first work day of the week holy anyway? The Bible says that the Sabbath, the seventh day, not the first day, not the first work day of the week, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. And in that day, you don't do any work and you rest on that day. That's what your Bible says. So you've got to answer the question as to why all kinds of people are running around keeping the first work day of the week holy. Because it doesn't jive with the Bible, is my point. It, it, your religion, let me inform you, your religion has to jive with the Bible. If it doesn't jive with the Bible, it's wrong. It's just that simple. You gotta be able to say, okay, this, point to the scripture, this is the reason I do this, it's the fourth commandment, that's why I keep the Sabbath. You gotta be able to do that. And if you can't do that, you know, your religion is vain. It's not jiving with the Bible. Now, will the two witnesses get up there and say, you know, we need to get more serious about Christmas. We need to put Christ back into Christmas. I want every home decorated. I want more lights. I want more gift swapping. I want us to spend more money at Christmas time celebrating, yes, the, the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we need to make Christmas all about Jesus. 
Well, the truth of the matter is, it never has been at all about Jesus, and, and you know, it, it never has been. Never was, never has been. It's about gift swapping, not giving. Big difference between the two. Big difference between the two. Don't kid yourself in thinking you're giving, and don't kid yourself in thinking you're giving to Jesus either. That's, that's a bizarre concept when you think about it. And we're going to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Here Jesus is. Jesus, you're invited to the big Colosseum. Millions of people are here. And everybody starts swapping gifts among themselves. And Jesus goes unnoticed. Is, is Jesus, would, Jesus be in, would you be impressed by that? I wouldn't. You know, but it's, it's amazing. The mind games, our little pea brain minds, how we can deceive ourselves, it's incredible. I've always been, I mean, I've been amazed at myself how I can deceive myself. But just looking at human nature in general, I've always been amazed at how the potential, the proclivity to deceive oneself and to take that deception and say, it's, it's my way of worshiping God. It, it's, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, the two witnesses say that we need to get more serious about Easter. Every woman needs to buy a new Easter dress and every house needs to have an egg tree decorated. Now, look, I know the resurrection is an event that occurred. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, it talks about we do show the Lord's death till he come. Not his resurrection. That by keeping the Passover, <clears throat> and that word Passover in the, in the King James was incorrectly translated Easter. It's not Easter. It's Passover. But by keeping the Passover, we do show the Lord's death. Not his resurrection till he come. That's what we're supposed to be doing, showing the Lord's death. Because you see, that causes me to focus on what caused Christ's death. And what caused Christ's death is my sins. That's where the issue, that's where the focus needs to be. We don't need people running around, oh, I got life, I got life, and I got life because I invited Jesus into my heart, resurrection. No, we need people to focus on what caused Christ's death. And that's what your Bible says to do in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. It says, you do show the Lord's death till he come. We've got that all backwards there, like many other things about religion. We got it backwards. All right. <clears throat> well, the two witnesses encourage us to uh, put Halloween in we need to put Halloween in churches. Is, you think that's what their witness will be? We need to get Halloween. We need to have the children carving out pumpkins at Halloween. And uh, somehow it's religious. I don't know how we get that. You know, we go from point A to point Z, but it's, it's, it's religious. You know, we're, we're carving the pumpkins at Halloween. The little kids love this. <clears throat> well, the two witnesses encourage us to put Halloween in churches. Well, if you're a fool, you might believe that. And we will leave it at that. Well, the two witnesses have a prosperity teaching. You know, I mean, like Joe Olstein. And I like Joe Olstein. He's a great motivational speaker, and he talks about God every now and then. You know, I mean, I think, think it's good. Uh, but, but you, know, I, you know, I like him in that sense, but uh, he doesn't talk about repentance. And he's admitted he don't talk about repentance. He don't want to go down that road, which disqualifies him for a minister or an evangelist or whatever. But anyway... Uh, but, but will it be a prosperity teaching? You need, you, that two-car garage, that BMW, God wants you to have. He just wants to bless us. Will that be their witness, the two witnesses at the end time? My dear brothers and sisters, God just wants to bless you. Just sow your seed donation. No, actually, the two witnesses are killed. 
Now, you don't get killed by preaching a prosperity teaching. I can guarantee you get loved by preaching prosperity teaching. You get loved. You don't get killed. You get loved. So we know that's not going to be their message. Will the two witnesses be like a modern-day Billy Graham? You know, you know, like, what must you do to be saved? Nothing. Yeah. Well, we heard that message for hundreds of years, and that message has not transformed or made us into a more godly nation. You don't tell carnal-minded people that there's nothing you need to do. You get that? I mean, first of all, evangelism, you're dealing with carnal-minded people. They don't want to do anything anyway. So you don't, go on, you don't come up with a religion, a theology, that says the law has been abolished, been nailed to the cross, and nothing you must do, just invite Jesus into your heart, because that's what carnal-minded people want to hear. They want to hear that because it involves nothing. Yeah. Will the two witnesses be maybe two faith healers, like a Benny Hinn and a Todd Bentley? I'll put those two clowns together. But, uh, you know, listen, the reason you don't see faith healers in hospitals is the same reason you don't see psychics winning the lottery. I mean, if they really have the power to heal, why not empty a hospital? Why not go where sick people are at? Why put on the carnival show? Why dance around and parade around like a buffoon and put on the carnival show? Look, if you like that kind of entertainment and religion, quit religion, go to a circus. You get, you get more for your money at a circus. It's great entertainment. But why go to church for entertainment? <clears throat> So, you know, if, if these guys really have the ability to heal, why not empty a hospital? Why not empty a hospital? Why not visit an old folks' home? Because those people want to be healed. They really do. But you don't see them there. Well, the two witnesses speak in tongues. Well, yeah, actually they may to communicate the gospel. They, they may have the gifts of tongues in order to communicate what they're trying to communicate. And that's the purpose of the gifts of tongues. The word is languages. Language, the gifts. But it's not some kind of gibberish nonsense that no one understands and where you dance around and act like a buffoon and jump church pews. That's not the gift of tongues. If you don't understand what's being said in your church when it comes to this subject of tongues, get out because you are under a diabolical, you're being influenced by a diabolical spirit. If you don't understand, God's not about confusion. He never has been about being confused at church. Will the two witnesses bring us more no-law theology? Will that be their witness? Law's been nailed to the cross, been fulfilled, been done away with. Grace plus nothing. Jesus abolished the law. Will that be their witness? Well, what good would that do? Does that change anything? Is that going to, you know. Will they bring us, the two witnesses, that old passive Irrelevant gospel of just believe, just come to the cross, just come to the cross. I, mean, I was watching TV, famous evangelist. He would sing a little bit and he would say, just come to the cross. He'd sing a little bit, play on the piano, just come to the cross. And that was his whole message. That was the message. I'm trying to, entertainment, religion. Yeah, people love it. Just invite Jesus into your heart. Just love the Lord. Uh, God requires nothing from you, not of works. And I never quote the rest of that verse that we are his workmanship, created unto Christ Jesus unto good works. They never finished that verse. They never finished. Not of works, lest any man should boast, period. Well, it's not, it doesn't stop there, the verse. Now, if that were true, you know, you really couldn't call it two witnesses because we've heard this pablum that I just went through 
You've been hearing that for, for now for 100 years, you know, so you can't really call that a witness. No, not at all. What will the two witnesses' message be? You know, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. In Malachi 3 and verse 1, it says this, it says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the message, messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. Now, what you've got to understand about prophecy is this. Much of prophecy is dual. It happens once, it's going to happen again. Duality. Prophecy is shot through with duality. I mean, it happens a lot. It happens once as a forerunner, but it's going to happen again. So I can expect that this prophecy in Malachi 3 and verse 1 is going to happen again at the end time. Behold, I send my messenger. And it'll probably be the two witnesses. Uh, Malachi, Matthew 3 and verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to, the, to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers. Now we're dealing with what will the two witnesses' message be? What will be their message? And we start to pick up on what their message is going to be right here. O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruit, meat for repentance. In other words, what... what <clears throat> what he was saying is that you've got a religion void of repentance. You've got a religion void of repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, well, we have Abraham to our fathers. For I say unto you that God is able to raise up these stones, uh, uh, raise up children unto Abraham. You know, and, and here's the thing. Don't say at the end time, we got our religion. We've got our 450,000 churches that dot our land. We've got our 650,000. We've got mainstream Christianity. Don't say it. Don't say it. Matthew 3 and verse 10. And now also the axe is laid into the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, I've heard ignorant Christians say, oh, we're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Yeah, we're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Yeah, I've heard people say that, but, but listen, it's the chaff that's going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and unquenchable fire. If you think this is a good thing, you're not thinking. The chaff are Christians who have their religion void of repentance. That's who's going to be burned up with unquenchable fire. And the Holy Spirit is going to discern the motives of their heart. The Holy Spirit is going to discern their no-law theology that says the law's been abolished, been nailed to the cross, there's nothing we gotta do. The Holy Spirit is gonna discern that and they're gonna be burned up with unquenchable fire. This is not a good thing. Now I think the two witnesses, well number one, they will teach the Sabbath day. Yeah, they will be keeping the Sabbath day. I can guarantee you that one, the fourth commandment. They will teach the law of God. All 10 of them, fourth included, I guarantee you. They will teach the holy days of God. They will also teach that Americans, America's religion is vain. 
Yeah. They will teach obedience. Yes, they will teach obedience. Hebrews 5 and verse 9, and being made perfect, speaking of Jesus, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Yeah, they will teach. The two witnesses will teach obedience. They will teach us and show us that we have done this. Isaiah 5 and verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Yeah, we do this all the time. We're doing it with gender identity. We don't know what we are. We don't know if we're male or female. Yeah. Darkness for light, light for darkness, good for evil, evil for good. Yeah, we, we love to do this, to screw things totally ass backwards than what it should be. They will teach and show us that we have done this. Isaiah 30 and verse 9. This is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. This is what people, the lay people, are basically saying to the leaders of the churches. You know, we don't prophesy unto us, don't prophesy right things, speak unto us smooth. We want to hear the easy way. We want to hear, you know, God just wants to bless you and give you that three-car garage, whatever. You know, we want prosperity to speak smooth things, prophesy deceit. We want to hear lies. We don't really want to hear about the Holy One of Israel. We don't want to hear about God. Yeah. Now, I want to tell you the reason for the two witnesses. Listen closely. The reason for the two witnesses at the end time. God's not going to allow anybody to say him, to say to God, I never heard. Well, Lord, I never heard that. I never heard anything about the Sabbath day. I never heard anything about the pagan origins of Christmas and Easter. And I never heard anything that we should be keeping God's holy days and we should be keeping his Sabbath day. I never heard this, Lord. God is not going to allow anybody to say, but I never heard. Matthew 24 and verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Listen, the end is not going to come until the witness is heard. Get that. And God is not going to allow anybody to say, I never heard those things. I never heard how to receive the Holy Spirit of God. I never heard anything about surrender to God and, keep, and obey Him. I didn't hear that in church. I heard just believe, just accept, just invite Jesus into your heart. That's all I ever heard. I never heard the true gospel of Jesus Christ. God's not going to allow anybody to say, I never heard. John 15 and verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sins. This is an amazing concept. You know, ignorance is bliss. If you just stayed in your ignorance... Well, you really wasn't responsible, that, that responsible. Now, there was a sin of, you know, ignorance in the, in the Old Testament that had to be atoned for or whatever. But, but, you know, for the most part, if you're ignorant, you're ignorant. You don't know. You don't, people don't wake up and say, you know, there's something I don't know. I wonder what it is. No, people don't do that. 
But you see, ignorance is bliss. It, it can be a, sort of like a good thing to be just ignorant. And my point is, when this time comes, no one is going to say, but Lord, I never heard. Ignorance is going to be eliminated, is my point. Acts 17 and verse 30, Acts 17 and verse 30. And the, and the time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. You know, this was spoken 2,000 years ago. God commands everyone to repent, and the offer still stands today. God wants people everywhere to repent, to turn to Him. And what do we repent of? Well, you got to know what sin is. First John 3, 4, 3, 4, <laughs> First John 3, 4, sin is the transgression of God's law. That's what you repent of. You repent of breaking God's law. Fourth included, by the way. Not just, it's not nine commandments, okay? It's 10 commandments, all right. That's what you repent of. And God wants everyone to repent today. I'm David Freeman. And that's what's really in your Bible. One of the things that we're seeing in our nation when it comes to the area of religion, it's almost like it's, it's a, well, you know, I hate to say a dead religion, but we don't see real change taking place in the hearts of human beings. Now, one of the things I think that Christians overlook is this. You know, often we, we realize that America, while we have a pretense of religion, you know, a lot of people who are in the ministry who serve sort of look at the way, the lack of response of people in America. You know, you try to do evangelism in America and most people are just not interested in Jesus. They're not interested in turning their lives around. They're not interested in hearing about God. And so many people who serve in the church have turned to missionary work. They go into other countries where the receptivity is very welcome. I mean, they actually Will he, they will hear a, a message about Jesus. They, will, they are willing, some of these other nations, you know, like Uganda, Africa, or other countries out there, they are more receptive to the gospel, and they will uh, often accept it with glad hearts. Okay, this is not true in America. Americans have their lives, they have their you know, their goals, their, their ambitions, their things that they're working toward, and most people just don't have time for religion. So a lot of people that serve in the church have turned to missionary work, but here's what I want you to hear. You know, the, the scripture, go ye therefore into all the world. Yes, it tells us to go into all the world, not just America, but here's what I want you to understand about America. The 450,000 churches that dot the landscape and the 650,000 preachers that are in America. It is the church that's going to have to be inside the church is going to have to be evangelized. The greatest missionary field is on the inside of the church because they're not hearing a message of repentance. Which brings me to the offer that I want to offer you today, the experience of repentance. You need to get this publication to understand what, what does it really mean to repent? The very thing that will make my life work if I do this. You know, repentance is not an easy message to sell because obviously you're, you're admitting that there are things wrong about me. But this is a message that chances are you're not hearing in your church. 
Basically, you are, most people, religious people, are in their comfort zone. They're in their echo, echo chamber. It's the sound of their own voice, their own mind, their own heart. It's, it's what they want to hear coming back to them from the pulpit. It's not really a, a, a message of repentance that they're hearing. If they heard a true message of repentance, they'd probably walk out of the church and say, you know, I'm not standing for that and get upset at the ministry and get upset at the church and get upset, you know, at people. But this message is going to have to be heard on the inside of the church. The church, the churches that dot our land are going to have to be evangelized. Order this, the experience of repentance. Now, the second thing that goes along with it is your religion is not enough. You know, so many people think that it is. They think because I am a religious person, because I dress up and go to church, put on my dress, put on, well, I don't put on a dress, but you understand. <laughs> but if you're a lady, you put on a dress. If you're a man, you put on a suit. And because I'm doing that, um, you know, I, 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 because I go to church, I therefore am religious. I therefore believe in God. I therefore have repentance. I therefore have the spirit of God. Nothing could be further from the truth. The fact that you, you go to church, you dress up and go to church just tells me you like to go to church. You enjoy the social club or whatever, the people there or whatever, or you like dressing up, you know. Um, but your relig that doesn't make you uh, to have a relationship with God just because you're going to church. Your religion is not enough. These two, these two publications go hand in hand. Your religion is not enough and and the experience of repentance. Because that's what real religion is. It's when you get to experience what it really means to repent. And you gotta know what you're doing. What, what is it that I'm doing that is wrong in the eyes of God? What sent Jesus Christ to the cross to die for my sins? Well, you know, that, that's, that's where the experience of repentance comes in. You've got to know what sin is. And then you gotta know how do I turn my life around? What do I need to turn my life around? Which is actually another publication I could offer you, and that is how to receive the Spirit of God. Because without the Spirit of God, it is impossible to turn your life around. But if you'll order these, order these two pieces of material, the, your religion is not enough and the experience of repentance. I won't sell your name to a mailing list. You order this, that's basically what you get and uh, I'm not going to beg you for money either. We give this stuff away because we can. Uh, we're in a position right now, the Church of God, Rocky Mount, we're in a position to give this away. And uh, you know, it, it's a very good thing because if you're low on money or don't have any money, you know, you can order this absolutely free of charge. And then from that point, I'm not going to bug you to death, which is really a, a very good thing, really a very good thing. So order this, I'll send it to you free of charge. It is critical information. As a people, we have to identify what the problem is. Okay, as we look at America, as we look at the direction that we are going, we have to identify what is the problem. And I'm gonna tell you what the problem is. The problem is the churches that dot our land are gonna have to be evangelized. True turning to God is gonna have to occur first in the churches that exist already. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible?